Welcome to Bethel. It's good to see you guys. Happy Palm Sunday. You guys can have a seat. So glad that you guys are here. So is spring cleaning continuing in your houses? Anyone? In us, it's just, we just keep going. I don't know if it's ever going to end. Honestly, it's going to be winter cleaning by the time. But so Ray and I are continuing. We're trying to do good, trying to get rid of some stuff. So yesterday we were cleaning out a closet. And why is it so hard? Does anybody else have trouble getting rid of stuff? Maybe not. Maybe it's easy, Some depending on what it is. So I have this comforter. And it's really pretty. It's a king-size comforter. It's beautiful. I remember saving up for it. But it has a huge rip in the, on top, a huge rip. Cotton's, like, coming out of it. He's like, we're never going to put this on the bed again. I'm like, no, of course not. It looks like junk. We're not going to put it on the bed. But I don't want to put it in the trash. It's just hard. It's hard to throw stuff away, right? And so either for because you paid, paid a lot of money for it or for maybe sentimental values. Ray's having a hard time right now with our traveling baby stroller. We found it in the attic this week, and he's like, oh, it was so good to us. Remember all those airports, all those trips, both kids? You know, we, we used it so much. Let's just put it back in the attic. So it's now back in the attic. So if you guys need to borrow a stroller for traveling, we've got a good one for you. And then I found this book. And it's like a book. It's just these pictures. I, I don't really need the book. But the front of the book is written, um, I remember, I remember, is my Valentine's Day after a boy had broken up with me. In, in college, and uh, he was a jerk. And, um, uh, and in the front of the book, all my nieces and nephews were little, and they all wrote, we love you, Aunt Christy. Happy Valentine's Day. And then there was little scribbles. And, and I'm like, how can I throw the book away? I can't throw the book away. So it's exhausting cleaning out, right? Emotionally, you just, like, get attached to lots of different things. So no matter what you went through this week, hopefully this hour you can just rest, not sleep, rest, recharge and get ready for a new week. And if you're visiting with us today, we are so glad that you're here. Whether it's online or in person, we would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is go to our website, which is mybethel.cc connect. And right there, we can, there's a place to fill out your name and information so we can contact you this week. And if you're in the building, we have some new um, ways to connect on the seat back in front of you. So wh whichever way you prefer, we would love to connect with you this week. So today we're going to be talking about trash. Just like all the things that we accumulate in our closets and under our beds and in our storage units. And it's so much stuff and it has different kind of values, sentimental, maybe it's worth money, but compared to Christ in the relationship that we have to him, it's all just trash. So let's get started. Good morning. Everybody doing all right? Good to see you guys. There's a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into the message today. Uh, Easter's fast approaching. As you know, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, it is a annual 
uh, moment where we kind of set it aside to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But every Sunday that we gather, the reason that we gather on Sundays is it's recognizing and remembering the resurrection of Jesus. And so, but every year we have this one time where we actually celebrate on it. And it's the one time where all the community is focused on church, Jesus, where am I going to go, where am I going to celebrate Easter, and so we're encouraging you to invite somebody to come with you, so everyone, there's eight out of ten people that will come to church with you, if you'll just invite them, and ask them, hey, where are you going for Easter, why don't you come with me, Uh, there's a place for you at Bethel, it's a very simple church, it's all about Jesus, not about anything else, come on in, and let's uh, hang out together on Easter, so we're encouraging everybody to to invite somebody to come with you on on Easter Sunday, and then today we're going to celebrate, this is Palm Sunday, a week before we celebrate, you know, historically the resurrection, we're going to do, we're going to celebrate Lord Supper today, communion. And so if you haven't grabbed your little uh, communion cup, why don't you grab that? Um, There's someone in the back. If you'll just kind of make a signal, they'll bring you a communion cup. Uh, There's a few up here. Uh, Rick, if you wouldn't mind helping me out, thank you so much. If you don't know Pastor Rick, he is the founder of Bethel. Uh, He's an awesome gentleman and a scholar and all-around servant. And so thank you so much, (laughs) Pastor Rick. Uh, He's an awesome man. If you haven't met him, please meet him. Uh, But today we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper at the end of the service, so make sure you have your uh, communion cup uh, ready to go. And today we're going to talk about a bunch of trash, okay, like Christy said. um, I have family members that love garage sailing, and um, you may be one of those that are treasure hunters and garage sale, uh, my my granny called it looking for treasures, is what she called it, Um, and Max yesterday, or this weekend, when was that? It was like on Thursday or Friday, last weekend, I don't know, he went treasure hunting with one of um, his aunts, and uh, I'm not going to name who it was, but he went treasure hunting with one of his aunts, and um, they were looking for treasures, you know, and Max saw a Van Gogh, and he could not believe that anyone would be selling a Van Gogh. Like, why would they want to get rid of a Van Gogh? And he says, hey, can you find out how much this is, how much they're asking for it? And so my sister-in-law went up and asked him, and the lady was intrigued that this little uh, boy would be interested in Van Gogh, and she goes, he can have it. Oh, man, it just kind of blew Max's mind. He's like, I can't believe that they would give me, not only are they selling it, but that they would actually give me a Van Gogh. Now, it's a poster, right? I mean, it's it's printed, it's not worth a whole lot, but for Max in his head, he was like, the most amazing thing that I could ever see. And then he was walking away and he was looking at it, of course, excited just to no end, and he's like, if it would have been Starry Night, they would have never been getting rid of it. (laughs) All right, now, if you know Starry Night, that's his most famous one. So I have my own trash, you know. Um, Don't tell Max that I said that was trash, that'd be mean, okay, so don't tell him that. Um, he's putting that on his wall, he's very proud of it, and we're going to let him live in that reality until someday he realizes that it's just a print, okay? But I have my own trash, you know, this, this right here, my grandparents um, lived in Germany in, in uh, the early part of their lives, my dad was actually lived in Germany for a while, they lived in, um, in Germany when the wall was still up, and my granny had stories, now, I don't know now at this stage of the game how many of the stories I could actually believe, but she told some awesome stories. Um, and I have reason to doubt some of her stories. But anyway, she has uh, these stories that she would tell that she would sneak over the wall with this, um, this uh, what would you call it, bodyguard, did she call it, Christy? I don't remember. She told us these stories. We filmed her a couple times. Anyway, she'd sneak over the wall, and there'd be these antique shops on the other side, you know, like the, 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 the side on the other side of the wall. And she got all sorts of treasures, she would call it. And so her house was full. I mean, it was like a museum of treasures from Europe. And as a kid, I mean, you walk into her house, 
It smells like a museum, it looks like a museum, but it's a museum you can go explore in. Every time we go see Granny and Pa, we would go and explore. And one of the curious things that she had in a closet, she did not put this out on the wall because for a specific reason, but um, in one of her closets, I found this sword. And I was like, oh, I gotta find out what this sword's all about. So I started, you know, little by little asking questions, not letting Granny know that I was prying into her business. But I eventually found out that this sword was a ceremonial sword for a German officer in World War II. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. So my whole life I was like, man, this thing is awesome. And you can look online, you can find it. It's got this bronze handle with some ruby eyes in the, in the lion's mouth. And so famous ceremonial sword. And I was like, you know, this is really cool. And when she passed away, I inherited this sword, and it's been sitting in my attic. <laughs> I haven't done anything with it, because really it's just trash. It really is. And you're like, oh, that's, isn't that history? Yes, but it's kind of just trashy. I mean, there's very few people that would even enjoy it, especially, especially knowing where this thing came from. All of us have things that we value, treasures that we value, things that are, are important to us based on family history or possibly where we came from. Um, and, and, and it's really just a bunch of crap. I'm going I'm to warn you up front, the word crap is going to be said multiple times in the message, okay? So I don't want to offend you, but it's a biblical word. We'll find out here in a minute. Um, but <laughs> we end up accumulating crap. And we put our value and trust in crap. Who was it that told me it's interesting that you chose today? Yeah, but my mom's not here, but she's watching online, so sorry, Mom. Um, it's the text. I didn't, I didn't plan today. This is just the way it worked out. But we're in Philippians chapter 3, and we're hearing Paul, and Paul is talking, and last week we talked about how he had this, like, list of accomplishments. Like, he had a, a list of spiritual accomplishments, personal accomplishments, family accomplishments, and he, he has this whole list, and he was the perfect religious pers- person. And, and today, I would say this, like in my own personal story, this is what I would say. This is what I wrote down. I grew up in church. I went to Sunday school every week. I was born to Christian parents. Super Church, which was children's ministry when I was a kid, Super Church was my jam. I went to Awana, Patch the Pirate Club, Stockade, Children's Camp, Vacation Bible School, Youth Camp, Youth Group, Tent Revivals, Super Long Altar Call Invitations. I prayed a prayer. I was baptized. I hung out with other Christians. I stayed away from bad people. I didn't cuss. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't hang out with people who did those things. I was a righteous. I was so righteous that I could spot unrighteousness with my eyes closed. I was perfected. I had perfected external holiness. I looked the part, played the game, knew the answers, and everyone could tell I was a good Christian. Actually, the perfect Christian. Now, you may not be able to say those exact same things about your history, but some variation of that you're a good person, everyone knows it, you're successful, you're smart, you're put together, whatever you want to say. Now, if you're listening to that and you're like, I hope nobody knows how full of crap that is for me, don't worry about it because all of us are in the same boat. Paul tells us that it's all garbage. Yes, he, he actually says it's all crap, and we'll see this in verse 8. But first, we're going to start in verse 9. Verse 9, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, I once thought these things were valuable. So he said, I I once had in my head that this all list of accomplishments, all this stuff that I did, I once thought these things were valuable. And he says, but now I consider them as worthless because of what Christ had done. 
Now, if you think about this, it's a shift in the, the, the mind because this Van Gogh that Max has this print, he's, he's thinking, okay, so if he encountered the original and the original was for sale and actually someone gave him the original, we'd be talking a different story right now, but this is a copy of a print put in a cheap plastic frame, and a lot of us in our spiritual disciplines, our spiritual lives, we have built up this spiritual discipline in this cheap plastic frame. We've put it on the wall, we look at it, and we think this is amazing, and we say, actually, once I thought that was amazing, now it's just trash, now it's just garbage. It's worthless. Doesn't life have a way of changing us? I mean, consider all the ways that you've changed. For me, personally, it's the older I get, the more I realize how full of crap I was as a teenager and a young adult. Um, Christy and I first got married, and we started discussing, because I, I married into a family that there were five kids, uh, five little kids um, in the family. One was just born, all the way to five, accomplished, uh, approximately, and I hung around a lot with these kids, my nieces and nephews, my soon-to-be nieces and nephews. And I said it over and over again in my head, and sometimes out loud, this is how full of crap I was, oh, my kids are never going to do this. <laughs> my kids are never going to act this way. Right. And then what happened? I had kids. And then I realized, ooh, wow, that very thing that I thought was never going to happen happens like magnified. <laughs> like my kids are just like every other kid. And so we adjust, we shift. And then there's something weird that happens that, that we, we kind of grow up, depending on your upbringing, we grow up in this little bubble thinking that the world is the way we experience it. And so if we think, oh, everyone has parents and everyone's loved and everyone, you know, whatever it is, and then we watch a 2020 special. And on that 2020 special, there's a street that I grew up on in Costa Rica, and they're filming this street of people abusing children on the street where I grew up. And my bubble was burst and life changed, but perspective changed because I'm like, I, I actually lived there. How, how, this was happening and I didn't know it? And so once we thought things were really valuable and Paul actually placed a high value on his actions and on his spiritual devotion, his personal accomplishments, and now he considered all that stuff worthless. Like all of his accomplishments he considered worthless. And in the original text, he's talking about gain and loss. These, these Greek words for gain and loss actually mean what we hold valuable and what we deem as garbage. The loss that he experienced, though, of what was valuable to what was garbage didn't happen slowly. It was a violent ripping away of the expectations he had. And so he had built his whole spiritual journey based on his birth, based on his spiritual accomplishments, based on how good he was righteously. And in a moment, it was all violently ripped away from him, and he saw the world how it really was. And I don't know if you've learned something that has completely rocked your world or, or made your, frame, your brain just kind of kind of zap itself. It's like the first time that I realized that not everyone that goes to church and sits in church is going to be in heaven. It kind of messed me up. Not everyone that prayed a religious prayer will find themselves in heaven because it has nothing to do with our actions in order to get to heaven. And then when you realize the church is not a building, the church is the people, and the church goes with people where they go, it's like it changes the way you look at things. And we used to be concerned about this, but now that's just kind of worthless. There's something new. And what Paul is saying is that he had based his whole life on pursuing righteousness by the law, and when he encountered Jesus, when he encountered Christ and understood what he had done for him, his beliefs, the structure that he had built was violently ripped away from him and he was left bare with him and Jesus alone and nothing else. 
When Jesus was on the cross and he had his arms stretched out wide and he died and was buried and then the cross compared with the empty tomb did everything and Paul was confronted with that. Everything was violently ripped away from Paul's life. All his efforts meant nothing. All his accomplishments meant nothing. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, the the news that Jesus died for me in my place, it has a way of ripping away all my assumptions. It has a way of ripping away all the preconceived ideas that I had about what it means to be spiritual or what it means to be religious or what it means to be godly. It's all ripped away by the good news that Jesus died for me in my place. Verse 8, yes, Paul says, everything else is worthless. Why? When compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. If you have a hard copy in your, in your Bibles, just circle that word knowing. Because the word knowing is not just intellectual knowing. It's actually an intimate knowledge, like an intimate experience with Jesus Christ. It says everything is worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing intimately Jesus Christ my Lord. And it says for his sake, I've discarded, I've thrown away, I've trashed everything else, counting it all as garbage. This word garbage is actually the word crap. We'll see it here in a second. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. So, so the question we need to ask ourselves when we're reading this passage is, how is value established in our lives? Like, how do we know what's valuable to me and what value do I place on knowing Christ? And so there's a value system that all of us work with from the time we're little to the time we're big. And there's value that we put on either experiences or uh, on hobbies or possibly on my career or on self-worth or possibly a, a family inheritance or like an heirloom. Or maybe it's modern technology, possibly an antique. What, what is the things that you value in your life? Maybe, maybe you value life on experiences, travel, uh, travel experiences you've, you've had or, or scenery that that you've seen, or art, or possibly music. There's, the, there's a value system that all of us have, and Paul is saying that I had a value system established, and in comparison to knowing Christ, it was nothing. It was actually garbage. And so what, what, what about personal values? What about always being right? So in marriage, there's always one of you that's always right, right? Let's go like this, you know? One of you is always right. One of you always gets the last word, and one of you is always winning arguments. In your own mind, anyway. What about political affiliation? Like, there's something that we put on political affiliation saying that, oh, the best XYZ is this. So that I have these personal values. And actually, <laughs> there's believers in every political affiliation. Believe it or not, let that burst your bubble for a minute. What about outrage? We live in an age where outrage is what kind of gets us going and people are like addicted to anger and whatever angers you is what's valuable. So personally, we have this value system and either we're triggered or we're on our knees or we worship this thing that we value. So what happens when what we value is put into question? What, what happens when what we value is trampled on or what we value is destroyed or taken away or completely lost? What? What, do we, what are we left with? Paul not only was questioned in his values, it wasn't like, huh, I wonder if it's this or this. He actually uses the words that it was stripped away, it was ripped away. 
violently ripped away. So to put into comparison with your relationship with Jesus, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is Jesus compared to the things that I value? The value of being right, the value of the path I'm walking on, the value of my career, the value of the things that I've accumulated. What is Jesus in comparison to those things, and is he valuable? It's all a comparison. And, and here's, a, here's, here's what we say, and here's how you can put it into perspective. All of us say things with our mouths that we really don't believe. But we'll say them anyway because it's the right thing to say, either, either socially or possibly the right thing to say in the environment that we're in. For example, many of us actually would say, I want to be healthy. And we would never say no to sweets. Okay, do you see that? So we say we want to be healthy, but we'll never say no to sweets. Okay. Some of us say, many of us say, most of us say, we want to be fit, but we never get off the couch to exercise. Okay? Say one thing and actually act a different way. Okay? So our values show up. We say we want to be spiritually healthy without ever committing to our church. So we say this and then we act a different way. Or we say we want to be a follower of Jesus without actually ever denying ourselves. So do you see the comparison here where, where Paul is putting into perspective the comparison between this is what I say, this is what I've built, and then this is how I live is different. So when it, when it comes down to it, my question is for myself and for all of us here is that are we just believing in Jesus to save our souls and never trusting that he'll actually form us into followers? Are we just believing truth claims intellectually about Jesus without actually following through on the implications of those truth claims. Is Jesus who he says he is? And does it reflect in my life? Do you see the difference in saying something, thinking something, and then actually following through with action on that very same thing? Do you see the difference? And that's what Paul is putting into perspective here. He's saying that there's a complete difference between saying, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and your life existing and living, showing that you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We're all good at learning something new and then tucking it away in our brains. A, a lot of us are full of information, like full of useless information. And we, we, we learn this stuff and we just kind of add it to our hard drive. So we, we experience knowledge or we read something or we hear some historical fact or possibly we encounter some new technology and we just kind of lock it away in our brains, right? Some people say, if you start with Apple, it's the best product there is. And so we have our Apple phones, and other people are, no, it's Android. Android's the best one. And once you pick a path, it's hard to switch lanes. It really is because they're completely different. And a lot of us say, I'm just going to add information to the brain. I'm just going to add information. Few of us are actually allowing the knowledge that we accumulate to change us. Jesus said that the comparison for all your other affections should be compared as if you hated the person that's next to you compared to your love for Jesus. And so I've been married 24 years. This will be my 24th year of marriage. I've got a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old. And there is extreme love in my heart for these three people in my life that I live with. Crazy love for these people. And yet when Jesus was here, he says, you know what? The love that your heart should have for me should compare and it should look like you hate your family. And that's pretty violent. It's a, it's a very different perspective. And Jesus actually compares in our lives. And so Paul suffered great loss by following Jesus. He considered that even the expression of him saying that he had suffered loss was trash and garbage and crap compared to knowing Jesus. 
So even suffering for him was no big deal compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus. Many Bible versions translate the word uh, scubalon, which is a word for garbage, that the NLT says garbage. Many versions say dung or refuse. It's actually literally crap. Paul was trying to shock his audience to understand that everything you hold valuable, everything that you've built up in your life, every life experience, every spiritual experience that you have had, it does not matter. It's all crap compared to the value of knowing knowledge of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Paul said that all of his accomplishments, all of his career choices, his past, his present, his future, everything, literally everything was total crap compared to the value of knowing Jesus. And he said, because of this, because of the knowledge of Jesus, for his sake, for Jesus' sake, I have forsaken everything. I've discarded everything as total crap. What do you do when you walk in the yard and you step in dog crap? Some of you just throw your shoes away, but (laughs) that's what I like to do. Can't get it off. But we sit there and we clean it and we throw it away and we clean the bottom of our shoes off because it's garbage. We don't bring that and mop it around our house. But many of us have stepped in our self-righteousness and it's stuck to the bottom of our shoes and we're spreading it all over our house and our mouth smells like dog crap. And what Paul said is all this stuff is dung. It's all trash compared to the value of knowing Jesus. So my question this morning is what do you need to discard? What do you need to let go of in comparison to Jesus? For Paul, it was the pursuit of his own righteousness, his own perfection, his own spirituality, his affection for being right. And in comparison to Jesus, he said all this stuff is garbage. So, so this week when you have your conversation with someone in the, in the church and you make your appointment for coffee or for, or for lunch, a, a conversation started this week is to discuss what has your attention, your affection, and your allegiance. After the first uh, service, someone came up to me and said, it's the triple A. True, triple A. If you need to remember that way, great. Attention, affection, and allegiance. What has your attention, affection, and allegiance? What is attention? These are the things that you're always focusing on, you're thinking about, what what you're giving your attention to, your focus. This is the attention. Your affection are the things that you spend your time and your resources, your energy on. That is what your true affection is leaning towards. What about allegiance? What makes you mad? What makes you angry? What makes you move into action? What is your default in a stressful situation? That's what has your allegiance. And so Paul says for him, it was self-righteousness. For him, it was past achievements. It was being right. It was his family pedigree. It was his history. Those are the things he had built up as important. So what needs to become garbage for you? What needs to no longer matter to you? And if you allow your mind to focus for a minute on Jesus and what he accomplished... Compare your attention, your affection, and your allegiance to what you think about him. And you'll have your answer. And this is not to make you feel guilty. This is for you to have an honest assessment of where you are. And today you can make a choice. You can make a yielding choice to submit and yield to the drawing of the Holy Spirit towards the value of knowing Jesus. Because if you're accomplishing, if, you, if you've started with Jesus and you're building on to your life extra things plus Jesus, Paul is telling you to go back to the beginning and start with Jesus alone. Nothing else matters. 
So, so how good is good enough? How, how godly is godly enough? How spiritual is spiritual enough? He, he says this in verse 9. He says, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. So he was accomplishing all the do's and don'ts in Scripture. He was doing it all, and he had built a whole life around accomplishing these things, and he said, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, on the other side, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. He said, all the other stuff is garbage. All the other stuff is trash. It's faith in Christ. So do you see the the focus shift here? He says, I no longer do this, but now I do this. So he was confronted with something that violently ripped away his assumptions, and his options were to go back and try to pick those things up and build them again, or walk away from it all and leave it all behind as crap and say, I'm going to pursue Jesus and Jesus alone. This is the change of direction and energy. It's a change in the constant fighting for self-righteousness and the shifting in faith to Christ. It is the shift away from the constant burden of trying to create goodness in yourself, and it's a never-ending treadmill. And Jesus says, come to me and you will have rest because I have accomplished it all on the cross. You can no longer accomplish anything that's going to satisfy God in his anger. I've done it all. So stop your working. Stop your fretting. Stop your stressing. It says God's way. God's way of making us right. Paul shifted from wearing himself out God, to God's way. Paul shifted from the constant battle of a moving target to God's way. Do you see that every single time you try to pursue godliness through your actions, the target is moved and the benchmark is moved and you never arrive? But with Jesus, his arms are stretched out and they've been stretched out for 2,000 years and he says, come. It's over. It's finished. It's done. It's me. It's what I've done on the cross. So God's way depends on faith. Faith that what he said is true. Man's way depends on personal achievement and personal action. God's way depends totally on him, but man's way depends on self. God's way was finished on a cross in an empty tomb, but God's way, or sorry, man's way is never accomplished. It's never done. Here's the interesting thing about faith. Faith is not very clear and is not very reproducible. So what brought me to faith and what God is doing in my life, I can't just copy and paste onto you. Because if I just copy and paste it onto you, you'll be as lost as lost can be. So when someone says, hey, pray this prayer, um, A, B, C, follow these steps, one, two, three, and you'll be right with God, guess what? Total crap. Because the Spirit is working how he wants to work in your life. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is John chapter 3, where Nicodemus, this secret uh, searcher, this secret follower of Jesus, was asking a bunch of questions. And when you follow down a little bit, Jesus was telling him things he just couldn't understand. And he said, you know how the wind moves? The wind moves this way, and you don't know where it's going or where it's coming from. That's how the Spirit of God moves, and that's how people are born again. It happens in all sorts of different ways and different methods. There's no exact way that you can copy and paste, because when I take my righteousness and I copy and paste it on you, you will not accomplish what God is trying to accomplish. Faith looks different for each person, and each person experiences faith in different ways. Some people's faith is experienced through managing wealth, and other people's experience in faith is through managing poverty, And some people's faith is perfect, it worked out in America, and other people's faith, they need to go to Africa to work it out because you need to depend totally on God, and God may be calling one of you to leave this country in order to experience the fullness of God. Where is your faith? Where does your faith need to be worked out? You know, faith has a fuel, and this fuel is Jesus. 
Faith has a foundation, and this foundation is Jesus. Faith has a purpose, and this purpose is Jesus. Faith has a view, and this view is Jesus. And faith has a destiny, and this destiny is Jesus. And when we're confronted with the truth, when we're confronted with something that wants to take away the things we've established our faith on, we have a couple options. We can keep moving and never give a second thought. Just ignore it. Or we can identify what needs to be assimilated into our lives. We also can rip out all the old truths and plant new ones. Just an overhaul. Or we may need to rip out all the old truths, plant some new ones, and then take those old ones that were good and replant them next to the new ones. Where are you at? You, you see, a lot of us are just stacking truth on truth, and we never consider what needs to be eliminated from our lives. We never remove the things from our lives, and it just keeps adding to the confusion that we have in our spirit. We've stacked and compartmentalized truths, and many times they're not even compatible truths. Jesus is enough. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing else to be added to the good news of Jesus. This is especially a problem when it comes to Christianity because there's a church on every corner, and every church on every corner claims to have the corner on the market of truth. And their nuance and their, their theological splitting of hairs is so different in every church. And when it comes down to it, you can talk to them and it's all about Jesus. And yet they want to make a distinction about all these other theological conversations. We begin to, we begin to qu uh, question and wonder if scripture is actually God's word, then why are so many people disagreeing about the truth of God? And if we're not careful, we'll get so stressed out about what is right and what is wrong. And we'll be afraid to make any choices in our belief. We'll just open it up and take it all. This is what I've put on my notes is FOMO, spiritual fear of missing out. Not FOMO, but FOMO. Because we think that if I miss out on this secret code or if I miss out on this secret belief system or if I, if I, if I strap myself to the wrong code, I'm gonna miss out on God's greatness. Let me tell you this, when you come to Jesus Christ, when you give your life to him, when you're confronted with the truth that Jesus died for you and there's nothing that you can do to accomplish righteousness outside of what Jesus did on the cross, when you come to that realization and you put your life in Jesus' hands, you have the fullness of God living inside of you sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. There's nothing more. You have it all. All we have to do is yield to him. There's no spiritual secret compartment that you need to grow up and get into. You have the fullness of God right now accessible to you. Many of us stop reading scripture because we're tired and worn out by an ever-changing theological nuance. Those of you that are overburdened by the demands of men, you've been stressed out by ever ending, never-ending spiritual achievement and pursuit. Paul was striving for the same perfection. He wanted the same righteousness, and he wanted to make sure he made the right choices, and he was pretty good at it. And then he encountered the real Jesus. He, he encountered the Jesus that claimed to be God and could be trusted. He encountered the real Jesus that became a man and understood exactly who, what Paul was going through. He encountered the real Jesus that took his place on the cross. When he deserved the wrath of God, Jesus took his place. And then he encountered the real Jesus that is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he gives me purpose, and he gives me motivation, and he gives me value, and I can say yes to him today. That's the Jesus that Paul encountered, and Paul said yes to Jesus. And he gave up on all his other pursuits in exchange for knowing him. Everything else was garbage. Everything else was crap. Paul could finally rest. His chase was over. And my question for you this morning is, are you overwhelmed? 
Have you given up hope that you'll make it? Jesus is here actually waiting, and he has his arms stretched out like he's had them stretched out for 2,000 years, and he says, hey, stop running, just rest. Stop running, the finish line is here. Stop running, trust me. And here's the bottom line. He's ready to take all your crap. He's ready to hold you up. He's ready to give you rest. And if your faith is based on anything else but Jesus, you're trusting in crap. So where's your attention, affection, and allegiance? If there's anything else other than Christ alone, if anything else has your attention, affection, and allegiance, I'm not trying to call you out. What I'm trying to do is make you aware and realize that over here Jesus is calling and he's saying, hey, I'm here. I've got it all. I've finished it all. I've accomplished it all. Just yield to me. That's it. I'm not asking you to take steps one, two, three. It's simply this, Jesus, yes, I believe you died for me. And it's faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Let me pray for you. God, this morning it is uh, overwhelming to think that we have no part in saving ourselves. We have no part in righteousness that you would look at as acceptable. When, when Jesus died and came to earth as a man, he died on the cross, God, you said this is it. He's the perfect lamb. He's the one that took my place. He is the one that rose. He's the one that is my substitute. And we have a way about building our own kind of righteousness. And according to Paul, anything that we build, anything that is a spiritual accomplishment or direction is, is garbage compared to Jesus. So God, this morning, my, my prayer, God, is that you would, through your spirit, draw us to you. And if we're holding on to anything in our path, anything that is getting our attention, anything that's getting our affection or our allegiance, anything that's pulling us away from the value and the infinite value of knowing Jesus, God, I pray that today you would just strip it away, that you'd pull it away, that we'd be just left bare with Jesus and we can see in Scripture that Jesus is everything, is the only thing that we need. God, your word is very clear. Those who have burdens, those who have been stressed out, those who have been trying to accomplish their own righteousness, simply need to look at you and trust you. This morning, Jesus, draw people to yourself. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to worship together. And my, my prayer is that as we worship, that these would not just be words. That as we, as we worship, that we would actually think about this as more than words and more than music. That we would actually lay down our faith, lay down those things we've been trusting, and exchange it for knowing Jesus. Co compare the things that we value and put Jesus compared to those things and see where our value lies. Don't just sing words, but evaluate where you are and where you put your faith and what you're trusting in. Decide whether or not you're going to trade it all. Decide whether or not you're going to take everything and just trade it all for Jesus. Decide if you're going to listen to the Spirit's calling. Decide if you're going to listen to that wooing of the Spirit and His leading in your life. And my, my prayer and my request is you just come to faith in Jesus and in Him alone. And the scripture says, if you'll just call out to me, 
I'll give you rest. If you'll come to me, I'll take your burdens. Let's all stand and let's sing together. Um, Ray, when you were speaking today, the, the first thing that came to mind as a reaction was some of the stuff you said was offensive and not just that word, yeah. but just <laughs> like a lot of stuff. And like when someone challenges something that you believed or that you learned that maybe you're putting your faith in, the first reaction is almost defensive, like, hey, now, but then it's offensive, like, wait a second, I'm offended by what you're saying. And so like what I want to challenge everyone to do is to truly do the self-evaluation and to look at to look at your heart and your life and be like, who am I aligned with? Like in Christ alone, is he my help? Is he my hope? Is he my strength? Is it him? Or am I aligned with something else? Am I just resting on my actions and things that I've said that I, I believe? Is it about him or is it about me? And so I appreciate that you put it out there, and but truly that we need to be challenged today to evaluate, to yeah. self-evaluation. Well, and sometimes it's hard to look at ourselves and like evaluate ourselves. It's, it's kind of hard to have that self-evaluation. So one of, the, one of the ways you can do it is you can actually take the things that you think are important and then look at someone around you and say, okay, so that person is not living up to what I think they should be living up to. Yeah. And so when I see what I put value on in them, their reaction, then I can say, oh, that's what I'm doing that I think is valuable. Right. And so I'm, you know, reading scripture. Like, for example, there's, I think scripture reading is the most powerful thing you can do. But don't read it one day and see how you feel. And if you feel completely a wreck and destroyed and like your day is off, maybe your value is in just accomplishing reading scripture. Like and I'm not saying it's bad. The check mark. Yeah, like the check yeah. mark of reading scripture. It's not bad to do, but we begin to build faith in things we do instead of the object of our faith, Jesus. Right. And that's what Jesus is calling us back. Come back to this. So we're going to, is that it? That's all. That's all. <laughs> so remember him. And as you leave here this week, um, just remember that we at Bethel exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. You guys have a great week. Have a great week. week. Love you guys.